Today's date is February 5th, 1993. Happy first birthday to future Brazilian soccer superstar Neymar. Oh, I know that one. I know that. I know that soccer person. <laughs> I know that. I know what they. They're good. They're very good. <laughs> I I had to assume that you knew that soccer person because I had heard of that soccer person. Like that's how <laughs> that's how I know a soccer person is good or famous because I have the name has passed my ears at any point in my life. <laughs> Well, we got, you know, we got the GOAT. We got the GOAT Messi coming to play in MLS. Mm. Getting, just backing up the Brinks truck for him to play in Miami. It's Welcome to Miami. I'm a little <laughs> oh, uh, Miami. I had that CD. Oh, yeah. Of oh, course yeah. I that, did. Is that uh, Millennium? But... No, that's Big Willie style. <laughs> no, Big okay. Willie style. Come on. Millennium. No, no. So blow out one candle for uh, Neymar today. Uh, blow out all the candles uh, on another cake because happy death day to <laughs> American filmmaker Joseph L. Mankiewicz, who wrote and directed All About Eve, which uh, it's showgirls, but less nudity, uh, if you've mm. seen that. And also uh, won a bunch of Academy Awards, which showgirls did not. Whether or not it deserved it, <laughs> let's save that for another podcast. I don't know. <laughs> He also co-wrote a little rosebud you may have heard of called Citizen Kane. So this is like a this is like a big deal movie person. That's that's those long, long time ago's days. That's a long life that this guy had. Well, this is uh, this is a fun one because he is the man who introduced and like first had worked together Catherine Hepburn and her longtime boyfriend, Spencer Tracy, who we, of mm. course, know as the uh the the main build star of it's a mad 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 world in addition they were together from like 1941 to 1967 when he died another just quick fun fact about him he was married throughout that entire period uh wait what yeah <laughs> to to but, another person but not who was to not the Catherine lady Hepburn. you just said uh-huh. You know, Kate okay. Hepburn, like super famous uh, person, the aviator, all that stuff. This was a, a different lady that he was estranged mm. with in the 30s. And then just uh, he was Catholic. So he said, I can't get divorced, but I can fuck Catherine Hepburn for <laughs> sure. I'm not that Catholic. already. <laughs> this is two slabs of beef right here. You finally did it. You you have brought us back to John Rance about the movies. There we go. Now, this could go in a lot of different directions. I'm fascinated to hear what, <laughs> which one you're going to talk about here. Go. Fucking, fucking Mank. Oh, oh no. Okay. That movie is Rank. bullshit. I, fuck, <laughs> I can't. I want the time back. Did like, I don't, you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know if I... There's very few movies in my life where I get to the end of it and I'm legitimately... The thought crosses my mind. Like, I just wasted two and yeah. a half hours of my life. Like, yeah. I... I wa really want that time back. Like, I just... Why are we making a movie about... Like, I just... Especially because, I don't know, it came out in 2020... Mm -hmm. I think, and 
just why are we making a movie about this white guy <laughs> from back in the day? Like, no, who gives a shit? You know, like I, it's enough already. Like a black and white trying to trying to. Like, I don't know, it just feels very Oscar Beatty, like we're going to make this black oh, and white yeah, movie dude. about a classic Hollywood film and this white guy writer, like, who cares? <laughs> it's, we've done that so many times already. Why do we, we don't need any more of those. Uh, that's a John McDaniel, uh, white guy who, but not starring in a movie. They haven't made a movie about him, all right? <laughs> We're not breaking any rules here. You know, I was torn because I was originally going to... There's some, like, clown college content with this episode. I was going to introduce David with some mm. uh, proctor of, of clown college stuff. I But I probably ought to say the writing the screenplay, the treatment right now for John rants about the movies at the movies, <laughs> in movies, theaters this summer, uh, David Kenny. It's going to be a Fathom event. I really hope you all come out to it. Um, oh, man. We're going to do a stage production. And Have you seen the commercials for Fathom events at the movie theater? Oh, of course. It's the saddest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I always wonder who goes to those and then I get really sad. And I get really sad when I think about that. I've gone to two recently because one of my favorite like Japanese directors because I'm that guy who has a favorite Japanese director. Oh, well, I meant the other people. I didn't mean you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I meant the other people. Uh, but it's like, it's like, if you want to see his movie on the big screen, you have tonight. You have this Wednesday to see it in yeah. America and then that's, your chance is gone. So I've gone to a couple and yeah, the commercials are like a bunch of nerds, a bunch of sports dudes and then a bunch of people who are wearing long sleeves that they're like, we're not going to say they're Christians going to the new Kevin Sorbo movie, <laughs> but that's what the fuck is up in this commercial. I just got to get my Hercules fix. I got to see him up there. I'm Alex Diamond. Uh, man, we're off the fucking rails real good here already, <laughs> but I'll just say this like. Well, I, a movie, movie I understand maybe if it's like a movie that's a limited release or something, but a lot of those Fathom events, it's like this isn't even movie content at all. <laughs> like it's not even related True. to the movies. That's where I get sad. It's you like, want to go yeah. to the opera <laughs> or do like trivia on the big screen with all your office coworkers that like mm. this is the first time you're seeing each other in person because of weird covid situations and like it's team building good, it's worth that's it that's not a good way to do it we have a culture i really hope that's not uh, spoken from experience <laughs> that I, I would say co little column a column uh i want to <laughs> get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Zorbo, who like act, all he does is like Jesus movies now. I've had the pleasure of seeing him in multiple Q and A's over the years from like movie events and like nerd events and all sorts of stuff. But like Christians, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, thanks, thanks for coming. Uh, <laughs> appreciate the stop by. He's he's appreciate getting you. you. He's he's get gotten you because he knows that you're the money train. <laughs> gotcha. And, <laughs> he's just punching tickets all day all the way to the bank is that how trains work and yeah. I, I don't know how trains work christopher nolan hasn't made a movie about <laughs> trains yet so i don't know how they work i don't know there was that one that fucked up a bunch of cars in inception i kind of think he did make a train movie there's a lot of train <laughs> stuff in that kevin sorbo was in this like indie slasher flick called julia x i would it's fine if you're curious but i remember him in the q a talking about like there's a <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a 
spoiler alert he dies in the movie you don't need to see it it's not good uh it's fine (laughs) damn it he in his death scene there's a like lost in translation his killer whispers in his ear right Mm. before he dies and like you don't as an audience ever find out what this person says and he told us as the audience that what this (laughs) what this girl said in his ear when she was about to kill him when they were like shooting it on the day was this will make me come (laughs) it's one of the most off the walls things i've ever heard in my life that this like actress decided to ad lib this in a line that's not gonna make it into a movie like kevin sorbo said that and thought it was great and funny so like christians who are like he's in the don't take my guns movie he he just he doesn't give a fuck about you he just wants to play another round of golf all right I'm Alex Diamond. I know everything about golf and <laughs> soccer. Did I already say my name? I think uh, you deserve the rant about the movies corner today. That was <laughs> that was fantastic. Thanks a lot, Sam Raimi, for giving us Kevin Sorbo. Appreciate that, bud. <laughs> Lucy Lawless, 10 out of 10. No notes. Uh, great. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Sorbo, t- uh, big thumbs down. Ted Raimi, good. I'm fine with that, too. You mm, did. Whatever. Eh, you win some, you lose some. All right, let's be serious for one fucking second here. <laughs> Talking about family this matters. Uh, this episode's kind of a nothing, but oh, oh John didn't like this know. one. We're watching Family Matters backwards. We've made it all the way to season four, episode fifteen, episode eighty-seven of the show. Overall, you keep saying it like you keep saying it like we're done, but we are. <laughs> not anywhere close to that (laughs) the more that the kids look like kids it like Mm -hmm. feels like we've come a long ass way to yeah to me and i understand like there's still a lot of dynamics shifts to come job job's not finished you know job's (laughs) not finished we got a long way to go that's the first time I've ever heard that from you, John. Glad you're committed to seeing the mission through <laughs> to completion. That seems more like a W moment where you have, uh, from about the second episode, said mission completed and st- and clapped on top of a helicarrier uh, slash, I guess, uh, rocket That was launch. mission accomplished. That was mission accomplished. Who fucking cares? Uh, I hope he's dead soon. I hope he's dead already. <laughs> but he's so good at uh, painting things. So Just he's like not Hitler. Good at that and either. who... Who will Ellen hang out with if not for <laughs> literal war criminal George W. Bush? <laughs> Tender Kisses is the name of this episode, directed by John Tracy. Again, as far as I know, no relation to Spencer Tracy, who keeps coming up on the show. It is, I will say, if this is an episode John doesn't like, I understand. This is written by, I think now, my two greatest enemies on this show, which is mm. Fred Fox Jr. and Jim Gagan. I feel like they're the worst offenders of anybody on the show. Yeah, I mean that make that checks out. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh nonsense. <laughs> sort of feel like. <laughs> at the same time, I feel like when those two are together, we get some real cartoon shit and that is I true. Like the cartoon shit. I don't know that what's wrong with my brain, but like somebody getting launched uh into a window like that kind of cartoon shit i'm so excited to talk all about it and it's not this it's definitely not a john tracy thing 
like for like Richard Carell definitely has his own flavor for how he likes to do an episode. And Joel Zwick, I think, to a lesser extent, especially as we go backward in time, we're seeing that like he kind of just like fulfilled whatever the need was. I found out recently that John Tracy directed like 130 plus of the 100 and like 50 ish episodes of Growing Pains, which is like a super straight down the middle show. That number might not be exact, but it's somewhere in that. Like he directed over 130 and there's less than 200 episodes. So it's like uh, that's his show. So I think he's like I think he's just a workhorse. I think he does what's necessary and he does it as well as he can. And and this one, they're definitely playing the hits on a couple of these things. And he yeah. he knows how to strike up the band. Strike up the band. That's <laughs> so 76 trombones, John. Let me tell oh, you tiny. about the day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You remember all John the Philip words. Sousa. <laughs> I've said all the words I remember already. <laughs> this one, it look. Like it or hate it, it can't be fought. This is 23.7 million viewers, just shy of the 23.9 of It's a Mad, Mad, Mad House. So this is a big one. Interior, living room, day. Eddie, Weasel, Waldo come in upset because the W's were running late. So they missed their chance to buy tickets to Tracy Spencer's concert tonight. Also, as far as I know, Tracy Spencer not related to Spencer Tracy. I don't I can't for sure say that. I didn't do all the math, but I don't think so. Also, some things don't change. You know, I know now it's not physically going somewhere, but you yeah. show up to that fucking waiting room late. You're fucked. Mm-hmm. You got to so fucked. I recently had a friend who did make it into the Taylor Swift tour. <laughs> Tell wow. me about the harrowing experience that she went through clicking on websites and going back and hacking the matrix to get the uh, seats. And I feel you. I went through it for Olive Garden pasta passes and was denied. So I, <laughs> I understand how painful that can be. You and uh, you and Post Malone, probably. I know Post, he's a big Olive Garden fan is as he? well. So he, he does he seem is, like an OG. You know. <laughs> I still have the note in my phone of eventually all of the pasta that I had over that the course of that like six weeks or month or it felt like a couple of years uh, of my life definitely taken off of my life. Yes. The, yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Alfredo still lingers. Uh, I just I'd rather have a Fazoli's pasta pass mm, personally. <laughs> it's it's called a garbage can, uh, John, and you can it's very accessible. Anyone can have it. <laughs> Tracy Spencer is definitely an artist that I don't know if she was like before my time or she just didn't look. I was very young when she was big. And, I, you know, they mentioned MC Hammer later in this episode. And I'm like, I knew MC Hammer because he was the biggest act in the world for a moment, yeah. even as a like little child. Uh, Tracy. <laughs> said oh, yeah. And they're, they're forever like they're I think they're they're, they're forever uh, part of the founding of of hip-hop so. oh yeah 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 if you, you have know. a pant named after you you're gonna last exactly. for a while thank you uh, yeah i think permanently yeah it's why that's the only reason you can still go to the island of capri to this day is because <laughs> the pants live on tracy spencer for those who don't know won a junior version of star search in the late 80s a junior version <laughs> of star search a junior she went on to have an extremely successful R&B career while she was still a teenager, 
provided the song I'll Be There For You, but not that one, to the mm. Good Burger soundtrack, if you're oh. familiar. Uh, if you remember anything other than like the Bootsy Collins from that uh, thing. She was actually in her last semester of high school when this episode aired. Uh, she like still was going to a public high school, even though she had four top 10 Billboard Hot 100 hits under her wow. graduation cap by the time that she graduated from high school. Damn. Including Tender Kisses, from which the episode derives its name. If you look her up today on Spotify, it will say people also like Shanice. Mm, I got Coincidence? A about that too. <laughs> Eddie just he can't keep getting away with it, man. He's got a type. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is that's definitely true unavailable well he can have say. a he can have a type he can have a type it's more so it's more so the fact that he gets to meet them is mm-hmm. and to the and? exact same thing <laughs> meet seen. and well meet them and doesn't get kicked out of their a bar, yes. a hotel room um, yeah, that's a big we'll one. get to that though i'll get to that later before we do it like i we've been hinting at it a lot of shit that happens in this episode has already happened in another episode but we're going backwards, baby. We got to give this uh-huh. one the credit because it maybe was the first time they did it. There could be another one where they do the same fucking thing. It doesn't seem impossible to me that they thought about having Tracy Spencer come back for the Shanice oh, episode. Because it's not that far from here, time wise. And like in that one, Eddie and Shanice are like already established as like having gone out before and they have to like do a throwaway line about her coming into Mighty Weenie, which Mm. (laughs) no. (laughs) So that's total speculation. I have found no evidence to support that, but that's never stopped me before. (laughs) Waldo explains the reason he was late going to buy tickets is because he was at the hospital visiting his uncle this is not a this is not a rhyme. Can I say it still? Please. <laughs> the uncle's name is Cannonball Faldo. Cannonball Faldo. Now, the first time I heard this, I was like, okay, so he's got a cool, fun nickname for the job that he does because he works at the circus and he gets shot out of the cannon. But then I thought. Yeah. All these Faldos got really weird fucking names. This has got to be his birth name, right? Interesting that you would think that. I think you're exactly right. I think he, it was destiny that he would be in some later date, the human cannonball. Yeah, I need you. I want you. As the Savage (laughs) Garden has said before. Yeah, at the circus, somebody packed the gunpowder wrong inside of the cannon. (laughs) And blew him smack dab into the flying finales, which is um, just on the off chance. I just gave <laughs> this a quick Google. You never know <laughs> what you're going to find out about the flying finales. And would you believe no. that there is a, a kid's book, an illustrated children's book called Feeding the Flying Finales and Other Poems from a Circus Chef? But here's the fucking what? weird part. It was published in 2015. 
like this is a recent one so like if the lady who wrote poems from the perspective of a chef for a circus who talked about how the fire eaters like the spicy stuff that's really what this book is about just came up with flying finelli's and so did fred fox jr and jim gagan that's a fucking weird coincidence don't you think Do you think that I this is a real question? Like, I don't know what to believe about this situation. Sorry, I was uh, sorry about that. I was muted. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I they, I don't know. It, it does seem like a good crazy coincidence. What do you think, David? Uh, prediction. Predictions. Wait, what? I don't fucking know. No, don't do that. Don't. This isn't even this doesn't even make sense in this context. All right. They were like, who loaded his cannon wrong? And Waldo says, I don't know, some clown. That's incredible. That's so fucking good. Oh, God. Very good. But it does. It does make me believe that this circus, they're not sending them to clown college like they ought to be. These these they're not rearing them the right way. Listen, there's a hierarchy at the circus. Everybody knows that the clowns are the top of the chef food chain. Everything <laughs> runs through those clowns. If you piss off those clowns, they're going to clown around. They're going to blow you into the flying fanny people. <laughs> you clown you clown around and find out. That's you clown around and you cl- clown you clown me clown once around, shame on clown, you. Down the clown. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie expresses that he is like unhealthily obsessed in in the way that only a 16 year old boy can be, I think, with Tracy Spencer and Weasel's got it all figured out. They'll just go to her hotel room and ask her for some tickets. And Eddie is like, yes, this is a plan that will work. How do I know? Because I watched the television broadcast where my mother, as a teenager, did this exact thing to Smokey fucking Robinson Damn, yeah. and made out with him in public and found out why he's so smoky. Wow, well done. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about Very that. Good. It runs in the family, I man. Don't. Yeah, fuck. That, honestly, that, that parallel changes everything. <laughs> like, my mind is blown right now, Alex. So weird. That they oh, that they would just do this like a lot, I yeah like, it's totally inconceivable to me that you could like stake out a hotel where you think a famous person is and just like hang out with them, maybe even just see them in this day and age. But like, even back in 1993, I don't think this is like happening. I don't think this is possible. No, I uh, there's not enough. To, I mean, I this is this is all weird to speculate or do hypotheticals about it feels weird but what was, uh, what's your plan time. for there, sneaking into somebody's <laughs> hotel room john <laughs> please detail there's it for not us. enough i wouldn't think there'd be enough time like to figure out where they're staying you know what i mean like we yeah. live in a we live in a we live in a really fucked up paparazzi you know instagram 24 7 world now where that stuff um unfortunately it's a little bit more uh publicly av- available i guess but you know, in the nineties, I don't know, like there's just not time before they leave ta- you know what I mean? Well, and I even think the timing is suspicious on this from another perspective, which is like if 
it seems insane that they would release tickets on the day of the show, but that does seem to be the reality that they're trying mm-hmm. to convince me is happening in the show. But like Tracy is like by the time they get down to her hotel, like mid afternoon, she's got to be at the venue already. Like she's got to have like done sound check. She's like chilling or something. What like there's no way she's going back to her hotel room for a couple hours just to like I don't chill. Know. It seems like that's where she's running all her shit. She's got to make sure that it's tight before she goes on stage. Oh, yeah. I, I knew you'd have feelings about that. <laughs> I got a aren't lot. Tour buses a th- aren't, aren't tour buses the thing? Mm. She might be flying. I mean, we they talk about how she's got limos taking her to and from the airport later. So I don't even know if she's tour busing. I think she's she's flying from place to place. Waldo thinks that this strategy could work and expresses himself through a new rhyme crime. We've had no prop Bob many times, uh, many times. Yes, it's time for everyone's favorite rhyme alternate Waldo catchphrase time crime. This is no sweat, Chet, piece of cake. Which does ruin it because you said the rhyme and then another thing that doesn't rhyme afterwards. <laughs> okay. Just so we're all clear on what happened there. There's a three-way do-it handshake that is so long that Waldo forgets what they're supposed to be doing. And that's very funny to... to except it's not. Like, that's not a good joke. Don't... Like, have him say something that's wrong. Not just like, oh, he's dumb, so he can't remember what we were just talking about. That's not fun. Also, I think when Weasel comes up with a plan and Eddie's like, oh, yeah, that'll work. Waldo is also like... Yeah, Weasel. Is that the first time that Waldo has ever used and understood sarcasm before? Or is he just copying Eddie? Like, is he literally <laughs> like, I'm confirming also in the same voice that he's yeah. using? <laughs> Interior bedroom nights. We're back. Getting a lot of use from this set. Maybe they just built it or something. We're in we're in silk. It's that time. Harriet is writing in her floral diary that looks exactly like the one that my mom had on her bedside table (laughs) for like 10 years. And Carl is going to read. It's time for the book boys. Everyone's favorite mini podcast. It's not just Harriet anymore. Now we got it coming from all sides. The boys are booking town. This is <laughs> a book that Carl's reading. And we were talking about this before. His hand really obscures it for a long time. I was really afraid we weren't going to get it. But this is a book called A Time to Kill. Uh-huh. A movie as well, I believe. Oh, we'll get there. This is John Grisham's. <laughs> First book. Uh, came oh, I out didn't realize in, that. Yeah. Uh, I don't have it when it was written down, but, it, you know, it's sometime in the late 80s. John Grisham had a fucking crazy run. Okay. If you weren't alive in this time, oh, yeah. I don't think you understand what was going on. <laughs> so, A Time to Kill was adapted into a movie in 96 by everyone's favorite Batman director, Joel Schumacher. Oh, right. Okay. He had also done The Client two years earlier, so now I'm going to give you just a straight reading, no commentary from me, a chronological run of John Grisham's 
GCU. <laughs> the Grisha, the Grish verse, if you will. That's a, there's a Grisha verse out there. I can't say it. that's a different thing. 1993, The Firm. 1993, The Pelican Brief. Oh Jesus! Wait, these are the movies, or these are the these are not the books. These are the these are the movie version. It's the Jesus yeah, yeah, yeah. cinematic. Okay. This is 1994, The Client. 1996, The Chamber. 1996, A Time to Kill. 1997, The Rainmaker. 2003, yep. A Painted House. 2003, Runaway Jury. Yep. 2004, the one that ends the run of John Grisham in the movies. Christmas with the Cranks. Wait, what the f- fuck did you just say? This the is one adapted where from a John Grisham novel. John fucking Grisham wrote that? Where Tim Allen's trying to make his Christmas comeback by getting Botox in a movie? Is that that one? That's the one! It's based on a John Grisham novel called Skipping Christmas. And then they just were like, yeah, John Grisham's done, guys. It's not the, it's not the guy anymore. We gotta find a new guy to do. That does seem like the, like... Alan Moore, like people are always trying to adapt his comic books into movies, and then like he allowed his name to be anywhere on the credits for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and then <laughs> and then like found out anything about the production and was like, all right, never again. Like you just can't put my name on anything. It doesn't matter. I don't want credit. I don't want to be involved. I don't want to scent because I don't want to know what you're out there doing. I will defend. I love League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> well, I will not apologize for it. <laughs> I legitimately like that movie. Love right? that little Tom Sawyer action. And look, it's a piece of history. It was Sean Connery's last go round. That's a big fucking deal. Do you know his so. his story of uh, being in that movie of like why he said yes to it? Because he like had previously, like he had a script floated to him for Lord of the Rings and was like, I don't understand this. I'm not going to be in it. <laughs> and then he had a script floated to him for like a Star Wars project or something. And he was like, I don't understand this. I won't do it. <laughs> and then there was like a third one, too, that was like fucking huge. And he was he said, I don't understand this. I won't be in it. And so he got League LXG if you're nasty. And <laughs> he said, I don't understand this. But every other time I've said that, they've been huge hits. So I guess I have to do this one. And holy shit. It was worth it. What was he? What was he in the running for for Lord of the Rings? Like Gandalf. Gandalf? Yeah. Yeah. Wild. I mean, if it's any constellation, I think it would have been a terrible Gandalf. So. Oh, for sure. For sure. Is it? <laughs> He's too suave. It now, Gollum, I can see. <laughs> that seems like a perfect bit of casting. But there were some good quotes that came out of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like, I'm waiting to be impressed. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Um, it's not good, is the other thing about that. <laughs> it's a great movie. You take all that back. Carl realizes Harriet might be writing about him. And that it might not always paint a super flattering picture of him hmm. and the things that he does on a daily basis. Harriet's great though. She won't she won't she's not given an inch though when when he asks good things about me, bad things about me. Her answer both times is just 
sometimes. <laughs> yep. She's <laughs> so great. good in this. Like they give her so little, even just her like, mm-hmm. Like she puts so <laughs> yeah. much into it. It's so good. Yeah, it's good. It's very good. And uh, also, though, this is this is bold. You know, this is bold. Writing writing in your diary, right next to your partner. Yeah. You know, especially if it's Carl. Like, I it's know. great. Like she's 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 she is she is uh, you know, she's standing her ground. You mm-hmm. know, it's great. Says it's private. You can't read it. He tries to like lean over. He tries to uh, like ask her to give him a tissue and then sneak a look that way. Uh, and then this starts a whole thing. They mean a whole thing of the about Carl sucks because he's. And I mean that didn't start here for us. Maybe trying for the to read show. somebody's private it. diary. But the first take that he does is maybe the hardest I've laughed ever at this show. She both of hides. these are funny. Both of the yeah, lights out ones are, are funny. But the she's going to bed. She puts the diary under her pillow. She turns off the light. Seconds later, she turns on the light. Carl is yeah. holding the diary, reading it in pitch darkness. Who knows what his eyesight is like later? Yeah. He needs. Well, glasses. he's a cop. He's got those senses. He can just take and he can tell always. But she flips the light on immediately. He <laughs> throws the book and does a big <laughs> yawn. It was so uh, fucking good. Just but like fling is the book. It's very visible that <laughs> it was. <laughs> the timing is so good. So then uh, we do a, a rare <laughs> uh, clockwise circle wipe back to darkness. Yeah. Like, not Stylistic. her turning off the light, but like Star Wars style wipes on this episode. And the lights are off and they come on again. And Carl is just standing next to Harriet on her <laughs> side of the bed. She sees him reading again in the dark, like you said. Uh, just sonaring it a little bit <laughs> and he drops the book and then puts his arms out like he's Frankenstein <laughs> and fake sleepwalks all the way around the bed he's committed. and sleep gets into the bed and sleep <laughs> pulls up the covers over him and sleep goes back to sleep and Harriet I think the funniest part of this is she does not say anything throughout. The, yeah. She just watches him with a look on her face is like, oh, yeah. Oh, you're doing this, too, huh? You're, you're really going to you're going to commit. OK. OK, Carl. Fine. Do that. We both know what happened. Cut to interior hotel day. A dude is on a cordless phone in a, a suite suite this is a the sweet life man this is a big uh, hotel room this guy is talking on the phone says that tracy can't come to a party because she has homework which was like one of the first indications like this is a this is like a child this is a teenager so it's like yeah. not crazy that eddie's pursuing her or i mean uh well not for that uh, reason it's crazy <laughs> it's a hundred percent deranged uh, okay. It's stalking. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 100%. It's like breaking and entering. Stalking. It's, crazy stalker. Uh, breaking and entering. Catfishing. Oh, yeah. It's all sorts of things that we have the terminology yep. for now. And they should have then, but didn't care to. So this guy who we're never like explicitly told what his deal is. I got questions. <laughs> uh-huh. He seems to be like her manager, but also earlier they were speculating about her having bodyguards. So it's not. Yeah. 
not really sure, but we'll find out later. His name is Lee. So Lee is played by Stoney Jackson. uh, Great name. You may recognize him as third baseman Ray Mitchell from Angels in the Outfield. Whoa! Do you guys remember, like, how many super famous fucking people are on that baseball team in Angels in the Outfield? Oh, yeah. Like, it's crazy. Neil McDonough Joseph is... Gordon-Levitt. Joseph oh, no, Gordon-Levitt. Oh, no, he's not on the well, team, sorry, not, but he's in the mean, movie. <laughs> he's in the stands waving his arms. We know what he does. McConaughey. Adrian Brody. It's, like, one of his wow. first major film appearances. So Stoney Jackson also appeared, I I guess, like arguably you could say this is what he was known for, at least at the time. He was in a lot of episodes of the 80s show 227, which was about a bunch of wacky characters living in an apartment building. The the number was 227 on the address. (laughs) It starred Marla Gibbs, who was the maid on the Jeffersons. This was her first like show that she starred in, along with some young up and comers. uh, Jack A. Henry, of course, the mom from Sister Sister. And uh, a little lady from a little Alan Moore project you may have heard of, Regina King. Oh, star of the equally important comic book television programs, Watchmen and the Boondocks. Uh, And I'm not actually fully joking about that. (laughs) Also of note, Stoney Jackson in this episode has a wild ass ponytail that is just bobbling all over this uh, hotel room, question mark. I thought this guy was really good. He gets some oh, I love wild it. ass reaction shots later in the episode. I really like every them. single one of them. He's just killing it. But also, I look. I I don't uh, I don't know much about the touring world if you're a minor. But you uh-huh. know, it seems a bit yep. weird to for a high schooler to just have their own her own hotel room. Well, uh, with I don't know how old this guy is old enough. I don't know it. <laughs> he has facial like, color, as I was once told just, at a movie theater. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about I don't know. It's what <laughs> like it's it raises a lot of questions and red flags. Her parents in real life do seem to have been pr- like pretty around throughout her like music career and stuff. And it. I think probably any good parents would not be super crazy about this old man being not old. He's like 30, but like even weirder in some ways that like just this like dude is just allowed to be alone with her in her hotel room when she's 17, maybe 18. Does that make it better? Not as far as I'm concerned. Now, there's a knock at the door. It's the bellman, Edward. Who's bringing in all the flowers from Tracy's admirers? Eddie is in a, a full bellhop outfit, tie, uh, the whole deal. And he tries to play like he's too cool to care about celebrities because he sees them all the time. How convenient. Hotel. He just got a uniform like his exact size. <laughs> it does. I have, you they know, say later how he got it. And I was like, how did you, how did you find that man? How did you find? How did you find the hotel room? You know, like <laughs> this is all crazy. I, all the questions for sure. Eddie's like, I'm. I don't care about celebrities. I'm not affected by meeting famous people. And then he just touches some flowers that were sent to <laughs> Tracy by MC Hammer, and he starts jumping up and down and doing the moves that you know the moves. We talked about him earlier. The moves with the moves where he does the hammer back and forth. There's a knock then from housekeeping. 
in a suspicious falsetto. <laughs> it's a weasel in a dress, a stuffed bra and lipstick so that he can embody the role of boss maid as he gives himself the title. I don't think that that's what they I don't think that like head or like senior or the but boss maid is what he says. Tawanda Toyota. Now, the first time I heard that, I misunderstood what he said because he's doing like a falsetto voice. I thought he said the one with the Toyota. And I was I'm like, the boss made, you know, the one with the Toyota. No, I was like, buddy, <laughs> too specific. You got to loosen up. <laughs> now, he does say immediately afterwards, get your hands on me and you'll never let go. And this is one of those great reaction shots from Stoney yeah. Jackson, who's like, I'll take your word for it because you're a frightening looking person. But it seemed like a strange thing to say. Like, you don't just say that as a descriptor about yourself. <laughs> so I I did a quick look up here as well. Did, the, did anyone know this already? No. Did this sound familiar at all? Mm -mm. It shouldn't because get your hands on one and you'll never let go was the slogan for Toyota starting in 1967 and running through That's why. parts of the 70s, not all, and not really, I don't think, up to the point at which Shavar Ross, the actor, was born. So this is all fucking weird. <laughs> this is all crazy. Now, who wrote this one? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. What's weird, I had to read a fucking academic i did i didn't read the whole thing i skimmed <laughs> an academic paper about toyota advertising to find this out it was replaced by the much less popular you got it slogan sure. in the 70s toyota you got it <laughs> and i actually did know that one because it's also referenced in a 90s piece of media in forget paris starring everyone's favorite billy crystal he's taking care of an old man who's the uh, the old man who sets the tree on fire in uh, Christmas Vacation and also was the voice of the wheelchair guy in um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Just the Christmas twofer, the, the two shot, if you will. Uh, but he's an old man who's losing his mind in Forget Paris and uh, just keeps repeating over and over again during breakfast. You asked for it. You got it. Toyota. <laughs> and that's like I said it one time. He says it a lot of times and that's a whole scene of a movie and Billy Crystal doesn't like it. Interior. Kitchen. Day. That's how you should start the episode, according to John. I don't know what you're doing over here. Family Matters. Just dropping it right in the smack dab in the middle. But all right. Harriet and Carl both had trouble sleeping last night because of the scenes that we saw. Apparently that just kept going all night. She's going out shopping and she forces him to promise that he will not read her little diary. He's uh, nice he's and a petty good bitch. husband. He's because yeah, he's because he's a fucking because <laughs> he's a fucking child. Like <laughs> telling a grown man not to read your private diary like this is crazy. After she leaves, he he thinks he's getting one over on her somehow by going out on the technicality of he's not going to read it he's going to find someone else who will read it we know who it is we we know who it is before he even asks himself who it's going to be we know we know immediately right 
Because also we're in the kitchen, and who else walks mm, through the that's kitchen? True. It's always this is it's it's either Eddie coming in for a snack <laughs> or for some uh, for is... some cake for some post workout. <laughs> Right, right, Chocolate right. Cake. Uh, gotta slurp it down to recover those calories, baby. <laughs> My wife and I are trying to like drink more water, but also not that good at it. So we've been like putting like the shit in your water. That's like this is more. You put more water in your water. You get more. You squeeze the. We squeezed the. We squeezed a lot of real water into this. <laughs> all right. And uh, wait, what? But what is? The, what are you talking about? What? There's what you... there's things like liquid IV, and there's other oh, okay, stuff that right. like is. I see like, what you're saying. Yeah. It just helps you. It helps you hydrate better. My three-year-old is like, "Oh, can I have a sip of that like cool-looking water? It's orange or whatever." And we're like, "No, the electrolytes. The electrolytes you exactly. too young." <laughs> so Carl says, "Who will make a good Patsy through the door?" A beautiful like ten minutes into the episode, I was yeah. touched that they would think of me in this way and just give me this. Maybe gift. that's why I like this uh, one. For the first time, <laughs> the episode. But he does not make a good Patsy. He's so- oh insane choice. Uh, yeah, Urkel comes in, says Heidi Ho, big guy, and big audience cheer for that. Like I would trust Richie. I would trust Richie before. Well, I John, trust Richie came read. I know that's he? what I was just about to say. But of course they they make it seem like he can't read. So. But Literally, he totally can. Back to back, just two episodes apart, you contradict yourself on whether Richie uh, yeah. can read or not, which seems like an important <laughs> part of a character for like a kid that young. Like he ain't got that many things that you can put it. All right. Back at the hotel, Eddie is still putting out flowers an indeterminate amount of time later. Eddie is still being a total creep. <laughs> Should have been in TLC coming by the hotel for this episode. <laughs> I know, I know things about 90s R&B. <laughs> Weasel is still like in a in a weird way coming on to this manager who is in this place like also look again I know this is a weird thing to be like speculate I get it but like if you're going to do this I wouldn't add more layers to it or introduce more people to it like I was what confused is Weasel? about that too. Like, what was the plan? Weasel being there is just drawing more attention to your... Subterfuge. Yeah, it's... it's, Although it does act like a good red herring because, like, this guy discovers Weasel here in a second and then that throws suspicion off of Eddie. He seems more real because uh, because Weasel got caught and... Weasel said earlier, we skipped over it, but he was like, if we split up and go in different ways, like we will increase our chances. And like, unfortunately, he was right uh, Waldo, in this instance. Waldo <laughs> takes that to heart <laughs> for he, sure. Uh, it is certainly the tr- the path less traveled by. Is that what it is? I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, the path the road. not traveled ah, by anyone right. ever before mm-hmm. him. Well, he doesn't take He's the, the road, first. So. That is, yeah. Uh, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. The manager sees Tawanda announcing that she's going to sit her booty on the couch. And he's like, no, you can't be here like your people. You're the help. Do you understand <laughs> the relationship that we have here? You don't talk. And... 
Weasel flips out in full Weasel voice because this guy is like stepping to him. And uh, so then the manager, like, even I, I like I can't watch this with 2023 brain because this is 1993 and the rules were different, right? Like, like they're trying to make it obvious that like this is a man who is impersonating a woman, not mm-hmm. like a trans person or non-binary or intersex person or anything like that or you know just somebody like playing with gender identity or just like a lady with much more masculine features and some you know like there are all those things that we would be very quick to like be like i don't want to assume anything about this person now but in 1993 this manager feels safe walking up to to wanda toyota and pulling her wig off of her head, which he seems to think proves something, which again, like, I don't think it does, but the, sh- the show is like, oh, he's, you got him this time. But the man, <laughs> Smokey Jackson goes, whew, okay. <laughs> and I was like, that's not, wait, that, what is that reaction? And he goes, I was hoping no woman could be that ugly. And like, I, it's a kind of a bummer, but I did. I guess it was different from what I was expecting. So that's nice, at least that he wasn't like freaked out and disgusted, which is usually the move here. Now, he throws Weasel out. And when I say that, I mean <laughs> that this man picks up Shavar Ross by his body and holds him over his head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Smokey Jackson looks like a normal man for most of this scene, especially because a lot of it, he's next to Eddie and Eddie's a lot taller than, you know, people. But it turns out he's uh, he he's big boy because he picks up this <laughs> other man. <laughs> I'll pick you up like a real big boy. <laughs> but Weasel also says when he's <laughs> held in midair, he says, and to think I left you extra towels. And that's the type of shit that I fucking love. It's so little and in the middle of just like yeah. fucking cartoon bullshit. I I love that. That's good. That's good petty weasel too. Like, man, yeah. I did you a favor and you're going to mm-hmm. prosecute me for the crimes I committed. <laughs> I also had the thought and I know it's stupid. I was like, is this the first time that this show has done drag before? And then well, I immediately realized that uh-huh. there's a whole Urkel character. But that made me think they're doing this because Jaleel White doesn't want to do drag at this point in the show. Like, yeah. I guarantee this would have been Urkel, like, along for the ride. If Every part of it feels Urkel-y yes. to me. Yeah. Even like getting picked up because he's like a little weakling and uh, gets thrown mm-hmm. out. And so manager Lee says the next man I catch sneaking in here is going to spend the rest of his life in jail. And Eddie goes. <laughs> and then we cut to commercial and then we cut back to the same hotel and Eddie is still spritzing the flowers, which I don't think is typically part of the job. I don't know. Nope. Uh-uh. It seems like he's uh, stayed in there whatever way he can. Added value, I guess. Uh, they really take service to the next level at this hotel. And Lee, the manager, is like, oh, that's weird. But I have no suspicions about this, despite <laughs> what just happened. 
Yeah, I, they have more patience. I would have excused them uh, yeah. hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely would have been like, it's enough already. Thank you. I don't need, I don't, you've filled the refrigerator 10 times now. I'm good. I don't need you to rearrange it anymore. It's fine. I don't like making eye contact with the person when I check into a hotel. I don't, <laughs> I don't want anyone to know I am there. Okay. But I always, you get the free, uh, you don't have to pack a toothbrush if you go up to the front desk and you say, I forgot my <laughs> toothbrush. So sometimes you got to go talk to them. Uh, pro tip they got everything back there you can forget your deodorant they got you a anything you need they got it toyota anything <laughs> anything you can go to the right concierge <laughs> he'll give you that lipstick so you can sneak upstairs to break into somebody else's <laughs> hotel room tracy spencer comes in and eddie freaks out and tells her that she got flowers from MC Hammer and mm. Johnny Gill. Interesting. This has got to be like the second most referenced person on the show behind Halle Berry. Like the amount of times <laughs> that they just throw this guy's name out there just to manifest that he'll do the show someday. Uh, yeah, I look. I would love to say that this is a mark of an endorsement to a professional in the field said, you're good enough. I'm going to send you some flowers. But how can we trust Johnny Gill's judgment since we know someday he's going to trade Urkel three Cal Ripken cards for one Fred Fox card? I, maybe he's the root of it. He's just a big fan. It also like looking at that, what episode that happened up in my notes. Uh, it we've come so far, guys. Truly, like <laughs> that's season eight, <laughs> episode nine, home again, which is the one where New Edition brought Laura up on stage at the concert because they were reuniting her with Stefan, who had gone overseas and wow, because uh, of Paris. So this we we're, we've we're doing seen all right. Some shit. <laughs> Tracy is uh, very charming, very kind to this enthusiastic young man. A little too kind. Yeah, I would say she needs to set some appropriate boundaries for herself. Yeah. But maybe this is what Lee is there for. Well, I don't. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I, you know, as a child, basically, I, you can't put all that on her. I don't think um, that's a good point. Also, yeah, it's he's look, he's a cute big boy. Okay, she's a cute young lady. This is not, even though the situation is like fucked up. This yeah, well, he's he shouldn't be here, but he's like she doesn't know that cute big boy stalker creeper <laughs> guy. Like, all she looks up and sees is a delicious Superman standing in front of her. All right, <laughs> Lee marches Eddie out with a tip. So I feel like, in some ways, you like mission accomplished. You can just go buy tickets from a scalper now, man. <laughs> like, you just made some money. But Tracy is not concerned with all that. This is this is an everyday occurrence for her. Something is something serious is happening. OK, <laughs> we need to take the tone down and we need to turn the volume up because she's having trouble with the vocals on tender kisses. So what else can you possibly do? But go to the tape deck that you have requested <laughs> in your writer be placed into your hotel room 
put the tape in that's queued up to the beginning of Tender Kisses with like a, a partially it's like a karaoke track. Like there's still some vocals on this. which yeah. feels especially weird later. I mean, it's got to be the one that she's actually using in the show because she's not going to bring around male backup singers. She's not going to pay them to do that. But when she says, I'm having trouble with the song, Lee apparently is not just her manager, not just her bodyguard. He is her vocal coach because he says, let's play that track and see what's going on. We got to get to the bottom (laughs) of this. And for the rest of the thing, like he starts to play it. And he has his hand on that button for a long time. He's doing the work right now. He's taking care of her. Yeah, he's ready to to just like do a quick stop and say, oh, no, no, no. You got to take a deeper breath here. You got to do the whatever it is, even though like it, it is kind of weird. Like so Tender Kisses is definitely her biggest hit. But it came out in 1991. It was a summer jam 1991 hit. This is a this is a little weird for Family Matters. Usually they use like whatever the newest hottest song is for the artist that yeah. they have on. But they this one they went with her like signature hit, which I don't think it's the wrong decision necessarily. I just think it's unusual for the show. But also it's unusual that they have like a track record for this. They've done this so many times. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So many. Why do they keep doing this? Yeah, she's like, it. It, it is totally possible that she just had this with her at all times because, like, she sang this at a radio station this morning when she got mm-hmm. into town. Like, it, this is. But, but that's the thing is that, like, if it, you already wrote it and sang it and put on the record all that stuff before 1991 1991 it comes out you've sung it a jillion times since then because it's if it's like that hot so how would you possibly be having trouble on the vocals on this which uh spoiler alert for this scene right now she does not have trouble with the vocals on this (laughs) track the trouble with the vocals on this track is that there's somebody else trying to get on this track so I did write down David's going to be happy because it's live vocals again, because it does. And no microphone. She is projecting to those booms out there. Yeah. And and like, well, yeah, because she's like wandering around the set a little bit. She's kind of like taking in the space, looking very pensive because she's look, she's trying to get that lover back. She's trying to get him to stay. It does have to be live because halfway through the first verse, Eddie comes in and kind of just ah, d- damn it takes over the song. He just decides I can't. I couldn't believe it. I I can we just fast forward through this? I don't <laughs> I don't even want to talk about no, it. No, we can't because Lee's doing a lot of work. Eddie starts singing this song and Lee has his hand on the button and he's like, "What's going on? Should I turn this off? What's going on?" Let's Eddie read the vibe. He just, like, is convinced somehow to just, like, keep letting it happen. And Eddie keeps singing, and they cut back to Lee. And he's like, okay, I'm glad I didn't stop this. This kid's got it. (laughs) Maybe he's also a distributor. Maybe he also has a record (laughs) label. And he's like, I got to sign some more people. Is Tracy, she's not going to be around forever. They harmonize. They do some uh, some harmony runs together, which there is a there is a male vocal in the song if you listen to it. So it's not like he's just like inventing this. Uh, He's like singing a part, although he takes some liberties. This Mm -hmm. is not unlike Darius McCrary and his other singing performances. He 
Yeah, it's it's the notes you don't sing. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's uh, you're playing around the area. Lee does hit stop on the song because this song is five minutes and 28 seconds oh long. Oh, my God. That is radio suicide in the year 2023. <laughs> like, can you imagine in the age of Spotify where you you get credit for the first 40 seconds if you had a well, five I minute song? I would argue that radio itself is radio suicide <laughs> in Perfect. 2023. But. Uh, analysis, no notes. <laughs> from a veteran of the industry who once a week had some sort of meeting with some sort of executive who was like, we we can't make it. <laughs> we tried, but we can't make it. <laughs> so this young lady sees this young man and is like, you're a good singer. And he goes, "I will you marry me? this is not the eddie of old this is that new eddie that lovesick eddie that's right but he just gives it all he gives he gives it all up he he, voluntarily explains the whole plot the whole plan he's not seasoned yet he's not the playboy bachelor so yeah like without any inkling that he's going to be caught here he still has his bellhop outfit on like the the ruse is sticking, but he's just like, oh, yeah, I have like f- like really creepy how I like <laughs> conducted myself today. And uh, there's a there's a nude bellboy just hiding in a closet <laughs> somewhere because I found a gigantic bellboy who was exactly my size and I took his outfit you away. You go in there. Yes, you do. <laughs> uh, he does say he gave the guy 20 bucks, which again, like just scalp the tickets like i don't it's not a good thing to do but you don't have to do all this man that's the other thing like eventually she gives him tickets to this show Mm -hmm. have these motherfuckers ever paid for a concert ever they just get free tickets anytime someone wants to be on tv it's 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 weird like even carl like the wrestling they were gonna go like the, he was like oh i wrestled with that guy in high school i bet i can just get us in for free and then accidentally also wrestle some people who are from australia or new zealand what are we saying this week i don't know and lee is like hey i'm uh, gonna uh, kill this young man real quick and <laughs> tracy's like no come on i kind of would like to see these two like lock horns because it's like this is this are two this is two slabs of beef right here. Right, these, <laughs> I think these, we could sell some tickets to that wrestling match. Tracy, her name is at this point misspelled in the subtitles on Max, so that's a fun thing that they just <laughs> spelled a like. A, it's weirder because it's a real person. It's just like a, yeah. a human being who exists that so you can't just decide to change her name halfway through the episode. She says that she wants to hear more from him. And by that, fuck him. Like, she's like, I just this is this is one you can keep around for a little bit. And so she's going to give him tickets. She's going to give him backstage passes. And who knows what else she's going to give him? Because that's all interrupted by a lot of honking outside, which would not normally be notable in 
downtown Chicago. <laughs> but I think there would be a more than normal amount of honking if someone had set up a cannon in the middle of the road <laughs> in downtown Chicago on the Windy City streets. There is a slow motion shot as Eddie pulls Tracy away from the window and <laughs> manager Lee is left to his own devices <laughs> as they see something coming through the window. At first, it appears to be the Incredibles hero Frozone uh, wearing a cape. <laughs> but instead, it is, of course, the wild and wacky Waldo himself who luckily after he smashes through this like I don't know quadruple paned glass <laughs> he lands on the couch so everything's okay and Eddie again you don't have to you don't have to admit that you're just like doing all this nefarious shit but he immediately associates himself with this guy who just came through the window from a cannon listen you can't help it. This is in his DNA. He is born into a family that they have the power to turn into Gonzo at any moment and fly <laughs> through a 30-story building. And he says, Waldo. And Waldo says, sup. And then uh, he asks Tracy for an aspirin. Because uh, it Love hurts. It. Love it. To do that. Interior kitchen day. Steve is not going to read this diary, which I kind of thought was going to happen like that. Like he's he has a weird internally consistent morality. Mm -mm. It's not moral by, I think, anyone else's standards, but he feels strongly about certain things. Are you telling me? This motherfucker does not read Laura's diary every night from the closet with the marching band. It does seem unlikely to me that someone who is almost certainly in year of our Lord 2023 working for some sort of tech conglomerate that he would have ever in his past had issues with privacy invasion. <laughs> I think <laughs> it is very likely to say Urkel would have been, uh, you know, weird about this forever but it is it is, he is also a for thee not for me type of person too so i it it makes sense that as soon as carl's like i'll help you go on a date with laura that he flips open the first page to january 1st so i guess harriet starts a new one every year or does she because it's january 1st carl threw up at the new year's eve party march 10th which is interesting because this is February <laughs> when this episode comes out. This is February 5th. Like, they don't have a lot of year in them. Harriet met Raul, the new produce manager at the market, who delicately handled her cantaloupes. That's how you do an innuendo. The natural log stiff, that doesn't make sense. The cantaloupes, that makes sense for what this is. You think they couldn't say melons? I don't know. It does seem like they probably just shied away from it just in case, mm -hmm. right? March 24th. Raul's houseboat is beautiful and she feels so safe in his arms. And then after that, it's over for Raul and 
Chuck is in the picture twice the man Raul ever was. And uh, Carl is like, this is so fucking fucked up. I can't <laughs> believe it. And uh, Steve also like slut shames Harriet in a, like a weird judgy way, as he often will do. Right as she is coming back in the door in a purple blazer that she did not leave in. She was wearing <laughs> she was not wearing a jacket when she walked out. It also doesn't match her outfit. Also, I kind of dig it. It's like a good it's a good it's a cool, <laughs> weird look for her. I it was kind of fun. And Carl, aha! That's <laughs> when she comes in. The accusatory head bobble as she's walking in. It, it says it all. Just what what hand does he think he has to play here? Oh he doesn't my God. have a hand to play. <laughs> like, aha, I got you because I read something that I know is wrong to read <laughs> because it's your private stuff. Yeah. Like. And yeah. she's so explicit about, like, do not... Re- like, she says it over and over again. But you're not married to a grown-ass man. Again, I'll say it again. If you're not married to a grown-ass man if you have to tell them not to read your private shit. She tells him in the beginning of the episode that he's acting like a child, and they just, like, ran with it. Like, he mm-hmm. is being a little baby boy all throughout yeah. this whole thing. Like... Manager Lee is a big boy and Carl is a big boy, if that makes sense. So she reprimands both of them. Urkel apologizes, which is wild that he would like be like, I you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been a part of this. And he runs out. And as far as he knows, it's just running around town with everybody because he misses the explanation. Of what happened where Carl's flipping through the diary again, like rereading all of the salacious stuff to her and then gets to April 24th, which missed opportunity, Harriet. April 1st is when you should have done this. April Fools, obviously. Punch up. She has written on that day, Carl, I planted this fake diary because I knew you'd read it, you dumb piece of shit. (laughs) Got him. Which makes what what is on the next page even wilder to me. <laughs> uh, y- yeah. We just had an episode where like Harriet was in the wrong, and like that was it felt it felt weird to us. And I think it was because right before that we had had an episode written by the women on staff, not the only women, but the, the like the ones that get the most play, and they made it very clear like Carl not only like fucked up but he is fucked up like there's something (laughs) at the core of him that is wrong and that he's a bad person but this episode ain't written by the ladies this one's a good old sausage fest and carl does not apologize in this scene he just sheepishly flips the diary over and over again and it's like (laughs) She calls him insecure, hands over the real diary where she wrote last night. I'm such a lucky woman because of my family, all this stuff. And I love my caring husband more and more every day. And. I'm not buying that. Come on. <laughs> oh, no, I'm no, not no, no. Buying that. Uh, for on. sure. It's, a lie. it's insane. It's insane. This is it. I feel like they betrayed Harriet in this scene for sure. Like. She she would she would she would be she would be so upset by this and she should be. Uh it just makes it doesn't make sense. I 
I think the biggest betrayal is how they go out. She says to him after like appropriately calling him insecure and saying like, you did this horrible thing. You invaded my privacy. You, you like promised and you broke your promise. She says to Carl, do you feel better? Hmm. And he says much better. And he kisses her like it was her job to cheer him up about <laughs> not being able to read her diary. And that's how it ends. That's how that conflict is resolved. What the fuck? Like Carl doesn't, no Carl notes. doesn't apologize. Carl doesn't admit that he did anything yes. wrong at any point. There's no consequences in cartoon land. None of this stuff. Re- this is the cre- this whole thing is a credit sequence. None of this really happened. This is Looneyville. Well, <laughs> that is it is funny. Like maybe it's the timing that the people, the characters on the show don't know what this show will become because like there will come a time when seeing famous people will be entirely unremarkable to the mm-hmm. people on the show. But in the credit sequence, as Eddie is relating what happened to him, where he got to go to the show, he was in the front row. Afterwards, he went backstage, met all the band. Carl, Urkel, Richie and Laura appearing for this episode for the first time are acting as if he is talking about a credit sequence, as if he is saying this made up thing that didn't actually happen in reality. They're like, oh, yeah, OK. Richie's like, yeah, and I had dinner with Big Bird, which is that's kind of fun, which I would love to do, uh, especially to I, I'm not much of a chef, but I'd love to challenge myself in the kitchen, seeing what I could whip up with some bird seed as the main ingredient, because everybody <laughs> knows he loves the bird shade milkshake. He loves the bird seed cakes. That's what he wants all the time. And every morning you have to have that ready at Hooper store. You have to have the bird seed milkshake ready and you have to have the oatmeal plain. <laughs> For Bert, because he doesn't want anything in his oatmeal. Oatmeal plain. Get yourself some help. <laughs> and Mr. Johnson, he's switching it up all the time, but he has to deal with Grover as his waiter, so it's hard for him to get what he wants. Urkel, who is who should not be at this home at this time with this family. This is like evening. They're just like winding down. He wasn't at the concert. He has no reason to be here. Urkel's like, yeah, Laura, Laura has the hots for me, too. We're living in that crazy reality, <laughs> which like now I have to wonder because like Eddie really did go to the concert. Laura kind of does end up with the hots for Urkel. Mm. Did little Richie, Richie have go? dinner with Big Bird? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he likes whipping up the, the, the Sundays. Maybe he <laughs> got used to it because he was having a night out on Sesame Street. Laura smiles here. Uh, she does not have a line in this episode. I don't know if they paid her as if she did. I have no idea what her contract looks like. Doorbell. They're like, it's probably Whitney Houston, uh, which actually would have been fucking awesome. That would have yeah. been quite the coup for this. Nope. It's Tracy Spencer who makes Carl freak out. And he's like, "Did you about to, do you know who you are? And then he's like, He's doing the thing that everyone else on the show is used to, where he talks until you talk. All right. I'm going to fill this space and you say your line. But she this is her first acting gig, not her last, actually, but like 
she's not used to this and she doesn't he just is devolving into and she just actually laughs she just a hundred percent breaks on camera i could not believe they left it in it's for like a while too but it's so funny like it is actually funny and and it it's it fits within the scene because like he's just this crazy man but she turns her back to the audience because yes. it's so bad. <laughs> Look, he he doesn't have room to stand on. Uh, friggin' Uncle Phil came in and yeah. just 100 exactly, percent broke it's, his brain. That's exactly what it made me think of. So uh, Tracy is. Um, does she know she has options? Does she know she's like a platinum selling <laughs> artist at this point? She has printed, she has had some, she didn't do that. She had someone print out her itinerary for her tour and asks Eddie to write her at each of the hotels where she's going to be staying at. And he's like, oh, maybe I will call you with the phone that I keep around my <laughs> neck when I'm working out. She's like, yeah, awesome. And while they're like flirting, but badly, because I mean, this is the most realistic part of the show. <laughs> it's like they're both like not sure about how to like talk to this other person who's also a teenager in the background laura's sitting on the side chair nearest to the door everyone else is like crowded around her chair they're all just slowly scooby-doo toes twinkling forward i love it i love the cartoon bullshit i don't know something's wrong with me just pushing her chair it looks like they're just sort of floating toward <laughs> eddie and tracy while they're talking they're all like their mouths are just open well because they can't believe what's happening while they're doing it tracy invites eddie to ride in the limo with her to the airport which sounds familiar He's already been in the back of L&L limo. He knows that the wall keeps <laughs> pushing forward. That uh, that Super Bowl ring, who would that belong to in 1993? <laughs> I don't know. Everyone continues pushing the chair forward even after Eddie leaves to go like make out with this lady in the back of a limo because they open the curtains to look out onto the well-lit make-out porch. Uh, we all know what goes on out there. You take your clothes off, you start uh, grabbing on things, and at that age, who knows what will happen or whatever they said. <laughs> That's the end of the episode. Harriet's not here because presumably she at some point realized that her husband never apologized for violating her trust <laughs> and has like taken a night to herself to uh, have a little mani-pedi enjoy herself for a little bit that's the end of the episode not the end of tracy spencer's musical or acting career she uh, released a couple a couple more albums after this one one or two and uh like sort of petered off in the early 2000s started providing back backing vocals for people including on kanye west's college dropout album which you know fuck Kanye West, but like, that's a big deal to be on that album for sure. And uh, she appeared in a play and a short film in 2006, but like, she kind of just stopped putting out her own music for and like disappeared from media and like appearances and stuff for like no publicly obvious reason. Just like one of those famous people who just like was like the biggest thing in the world for a minute. 
kept doing it for a while and then just kind of was like, I don't need to like make a fool of myself. I if like I, I, I think I have enough and just walked away. And as far as I know, like she's still out there, like doing fine, just living a normal human life. And honestly, best case scenario compared yeah. to a lot of the people we talk about, even on this show, like that's if you had to do it. That's the way to do it. And that's why I think she's Clan Mongoose in Battletech and or Mech Warrior every time she plays. I think that she has the killer instincts to know when it's the right time to retreat. <laughs> I don't think I would have thought of that if I didn't still have the tab open when I, oh opened, my I started looking stuff, stuff for her this week. Oh. <laughs> Email your um, the backing vocal tape that sure. you want to use when we come to your hotel room. We're having auditions for our acapella group. Anybody wants to send those over? Are you really? <laughs> yeah. What's uh? What what do you need? All all parts? Any parts? Uh, no basses. <laughs> uh, I unfortunately I believe the people are all about the bass and they do not want the treble anymore. So. Uh, we'll work out some sort of uh, domain rental kind of <laughs> plan for that, um, but we'll offline that afterwards. So we will, I'll allow Don't it. Don't offline uh, our jumping email. The shuttle. We need that to be <laughs> online to receive. Jumping the sh- I just meant we, we need to offline the you know uh, this kind of mixed use of the email uh, domain, <laughs> but I'll allow it. We'll get into the specifics of the payment plan later. Uh, jumping the shuttle at gmail.com. Sure, go ahead and send those auditions in. Mm-hmm. Put it in the subject um, line. It's yeah. It's you know. It's you know. It's um. I would. I don't like kind of mixing the use of it this way, but yeah, you've always sure. been for the integrity of our email <laughs> inbox, John, for sure. <laughs> and we also have social media, where um, if any stars of this show are going to be in like the nearby area of where we're going to be. And you know, our social media handles because we've already (laughs) interacted with both of you on social media and you've acknowledged it. Uh, Maybe get at us if you're listening and also want to have dinner. I would, I would have gone to lunch with you at that place you posted about on Instagram. I would have gone. (laughs) Uh, you can send your food recommendations at Jumping the Shuttle, at Jumping the Shuttle, at Jumping Shuttle. And uh, please rate the show five stars. Uh, do not deduct any stars for me saying that uh, I will now be putting on a bellboy outfit and sneaking into every <laughs> restaurant that those actors are going into so that I can have a song with them while they're having Jamaican. Does that make uh, at <laughs> That Alex D, tell me, tell me where everyone's going to be, and I will be there too. <laughs>